The following broadcast is brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International. I want you to take your Bibles this morning, go with me to the book of Matthew. And I've got two titles for my message this morning. The title is called Working for God, Working with God, or Working Against God. You're either working for God, working with God, or working against Him. And then for those that are working with God, I've called it co-laborers. Amen. So two, two titles there, and neither one of the three. Some people are working for God. I encourage you to work with them and definitely not work against them. So go with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9 and verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and the villages teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sick and every disease among the people. That's why what the World Economic Forum wants to do is not the gospel of the kingdom because the gospel of the kingdom is preaching the gospel and laying hands on the sick and getting people healed. That's why they don't want us laying hands on people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as a sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he to the disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. So Jesus is Lord of the harvest. And he is looking for laborers. And I know that he's found a bunch of people right here at the river who says, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. So uh, the, the working for God is for people watching on television. The working against God is for people watching on television. The working with God is for the river church. So that's the message for you. Let's show you. You know, because I don't, I don't know anybody here that's working against God. And if you are, you won't be doing that long, much longer. God will put a pop knot in your tail. Can you say amen? Now go over with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. It says, we are laborers together with God. We are God's husbandry. You are God's building. So we labor us together. We're working with Him. Now, over the weeks, and we've already discussed this, God never does anything without getting involved with some person and then utilizing them, which I find that one of the big mysteries. Why would God want to use me? And of course, that question is probably asked by more people. <laughs> because, uh, you know, God picks the most unlikely people 
He does. God actually picks people that nobody else would pick. And that actually really upsets some people. Of all the people that you had to pick from on the planet, did you have to pick them? And God says, yes, I'm picking them. Why? Sometimes just to irritate the system. But for the most part, so that people can realize it is God, it is God, it is God, it is all God. Can you say amen? amen. So I always find it amusing when people feel like God did himself a favor by picking them. And just so you know, the Lord's happy with his pick. God doesn't pick and then go, I'm so sorry. He's happy with his pick. Jesus even picked Judas and gave him opportunity. But his heart wouldn't allow him to be a part of what God had for him. So he never does anything by himself, and you could see that even from his earthly ministry. First thing he did was choose 12. Why do you pick on 12 others to multiply yourself? Luke 9, verses 1 through 6 tells you how he chose the 12. And you've heard me say this many times before, and I'll say it again. He never went by the park and found Peter the tramp, James the hobo, and John the bum and said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He never did. He found people that were busy. The best people to work for God are busy people. The worst people to work for God are lazy people. The people that actually end up working against God are lazy Christians. Because they're lazy, they get nothing done. And because they get nothing done, they get bitter. And then they get angry. And then they think they're hearing from God. And they're on this lifelong quest. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go sort this out. I'm going to go bring correction to the body of Christ. And you say, how many people are you getting saved? They don't get anybody saved. How many people are getting healed? Nobody gets healed. All they're doing... They in the corrective business. Is that true? And they're always disgruntled. Long faced, faces so long they can eat oats out of the tailpipe of the automobile. Look like they've been baptized in lemon juice. They're not the Christian that you would ever take to go win souls. You, you, you take them to one person that's, a, that's lost, and they take one look at the person, and they just say, I'm going to kill myself right now. I know there's no hope. Then he didn't stop at the 12. He went on to the 70, Luke 10, verses 1 through 11. He chose the 70. And there were many more that came on after that. But I want you to read now 
And you can, you can study those other two, Luke 9, 1 to 6, and Luke 10, 1 to 11. But go with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 16 and verse 15. Because not only does he choose people, he commissions them. Which the moment you get saved, you've been chosen by God. to carry this gospel, whether it be in a full-time capacity, that's something that will come to you in later times. Nobody starts out in a full-time situation, but you start off small, you favor with a little, he makes you rule over much, and God begins to open the doors for you. You don't go try to open doors for yourself, you let him open the doors for you. Mark 16 and verse 15, and he said to them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. That's another thing the World Economic Forum doesn't want us to do. They don't want us casting out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They don't want us speaking with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any dirty thing, it shall not hurt them. They, they don't want you. They don't want you walking in a place where poison will not harm you. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They don't want you doing that. This World Economic Forum in the United Nations is totally antichrist and it's against the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we withstand them. Verse 19 says, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. The Lord worked with them. They worked with him, and he worked with them. He will always confirm his word. So the pressure is never on you. Somebody said, I feel the pressure. I've got to go out there and get a miracle. Oh, really? It's <laughs> Who's the one that does the healing anyway? Jesus does. What, what's your job? Take your hand, put it on the sick person. What do, you, what do you do? In the name of Jesus. It's very simple. It's not complicated. Somebody said, I don't feel anointed. You don't even look that anointed. So what are you talking about? If you're going by how you feel and how you look, you wouldn't even get out of bed in the morning time. How many know what I'm talking about? Some of the greatest things we've ever seen, if I went by how I felt, if the people knew how I actually felt, they'd wonder why I was even there. Because I've even wondered why I was even there. And yet God, we saw the greatest things take place. In myself, I felt weak. In myself, there was every attack coming from every side. But I just set my face, walked right in, did what the Bible said do. Take your hands, lay hands on the sick, and then use that name. Which he doesn't like you using that name. Uh-oh, they're going to use that name. If they drop that name, stuff's going to happen to him. 
So that's why the enemy will always come to question your authority on what right do you have to use that name. I have every right to use that name. That name has been given to me. That name is the key that unlocks the door. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the pressure is not on you. Say this after me. The pressure is not on me. Why? Why is the pressure not on you? Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. If, there's, if the Spirit of the Lord's not on you, then the pressure's going to be on you. Then you're going to be working for God. How are you doing? I'm just out there in the field working for God. <laughs> it's like a guy trying to plow with no tractor. <laughs> are you with me? He's trying to mow a yard and he has no mower. Without the anointing, do you understand what I'm talking about? Without the anointing of the Holy Ghost, you have absolutely nothing to even enter into this realm. The enemy will defeat you on every side. But the moment you realize that you have an unction, that's when you begin to function. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you have to activate that unction. Some people, if you walk up to them, you can see they deactivated. Somebody deactivated them. Or they leave the river, activated, and you find them by Wednesday, deactivated. They're just there in a coffee shop, deactivated. <laughs> then they have to drag themselves in there, and I have to reactivate them. Sunday mornings are going to come, and sometimes it's just a little switch. You just have to walk up and just check and just do that, and you, and you put the switch back on. Suddenly the light starts coming on, and they're active again. Somebody pulled the plug in the middle of the night. Let me ask you a question. Who's ever plugged in an electrical appliance? Okay, if you plug a coffee, a coffee machine in, what does it do? It gets ready to make coffee. You still have to make the coffee, but you put it on. The coffee, you plug the coffee machine in, the coffee machine doesn't say, no, no, don't plug me in. I don't feel like making coffee today. I made coffee the whole of yesterday. You say, shut up, I'm plugging you in. <laughs> and that goes for any appliance that you might have. Are you with me? Well, when you come into the things of God, you plug in. You plugged in. I plugged in a long time ago and made a decision I'm never plugging out. Can you say amen? Say this on me, I'm plugged in. And I'm never unplugging. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Some people are going to get plugged in here. Some people blew a fuse. Some people had an overload. Their socket blew out. We're going to get them fixed here before the end of the service. Now, you sitting at home watching me eating Cheetos. 
I'm talking to you. Now go over with me to Luke chapter 4. And I'm going to read from verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. So that's how you're going to move this whole week. You're going to move in the power of the Spirit. Amen. Into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. He taught in the synagogue, being glorified of all. He came to Nazareth, being brought up as his custom was. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. As your custom is, you come here to the river on Sunday morning. You should have a custom of coming to the main event on Sunday morning. Everybody should be part of a local church. Are you with me? Somebody said, well, there is none. Then find one. And the church that's alive is worth a drive. If I can drive an hour to come to church on Sunday mornings, then you can drive. So, there was delivered him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and he opened the book. He found the place was written. Now, if you, if you read on further, this was not anything but a partially hostile environment because a little further in the chapter, they tried to throw him over a cliff. So you're not talking about, he was not at the river. Hello, say this after me. Jesus was not at the river Tampa Bay Church. <laughs> he, this was a hostile environment. The, the river, yeah, this is, a, this is a safe environment. Are you with me? Because we ran off every Pharisee, Sadducee, wouldn't see and couldn't see. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So once you know, once you know this, then you know I'm going to work with God and God's going to work with me because it's by his anointing. In him we live and move and have our being, not by my feeling. Not because I woke up on a Monday morning and I feel, yeah, this is a great day to be alive. I feel so good. Because I can promise you, if a lost and dying world is based on your feeling, they're going to hell. <laughs> they're going to go to hell. Because there have been times when you haven't felt great. Don't look at me like that when somebody cuts you off on the highway you already sent them there. If your words coming out of your mouth even came to pass, that poor car driver, the car and him would be picked up and thrown into Tampa Bay. He'd be underwater. He'd go, what did I do wrong? Somebody that had power with their words said, be thou removed and be cast into the bay. How many are glad that your words never came to pass? He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, recovery of sight to the blind, to send in liberty them that have bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. So to go tell a lost and dying world, first of all, you don't have to go to, to hell. You don't have to go to devil's hell. Somebody said, well, they don't know they're going to hell. Many do. Many do. You know, as a kid growing up, 
in Africa, I love to watch Western films, Western movies. I grew up watching John Wayne and, and all, of the, all of the gunslingers. I loved Western movies. I mean, just loved it. Especially when there's a showdown, especially when they were in a, in a saloon and you see him walking with the two pearl-handled revolvers and he's doing this and he walks up and you look and you can see the boots with the spurs as he moves closer to, to the bar and you know, uh-oh, there's trouble coming here. And then he orders his opponent a drink because <laughs> he wants to bless him on his way out. <laughs> and then you watch the gunfight. How many have seen a lot of gunfights at the OK Corral and all the high noon and all that kind of... Ooh, anybody else here love watching Western movies? Yeah. And so they're about to have a draw, which basically you stand back to back and then you walk away and then you turn around and you're facing each other. Many of them were not very good gunshots. They, 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 they weren't a good, they never practiced. I mean, if you lived back in them days, you had a life expectancy of 26, 27, 28, 32. Because people didn't, they didn't know how to handle themselves. Are you with me? Now, there were some that, that lived a long time I think it was Billy the Kid. They said he didn't actually, he, he lived and died. He was 90-something. But I mean, that's a rare occasion. Most of them died a bloody death because you live by that. Somebody's always going to come in and shoot you in the back of the head. I mean, that's just the way it is. And you watch them as they're about to draw. And there were quite a number of the movies where they said, see you in hell. So when I saw that, I thought to myself as a kid, they already know where they're going. Are you with me? They already know where they're going. See you in hell. So the world already understands. That's why in many instances they run from God. They say they don't believe there is a God, but everything in their life tells you they're running from God. They actually do believe in Him. That's why they're running so hard to get away from Him. But I've got news for you. You can't run from Him. You can't even hide from Him. He will find you. Hallelujah. And I know what I'm talking about. If God found me in Africa as a little boy, then he can find anybody, anywhere, any place, any time. So we carry this good news, not because we feel like it, not because every moment is the most opportune time, we carry it because that's the commission that we've been given by the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. Go. Somebody said, what are you doing? I'm going. 
Somebody said, what are you doing? I'm doing what Jesus told me to do. That's my assignment every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I come together with the believers to fellowship. Amen. But I'm about my father's business. And that's for every river person here today. Who's about your father's business? Do you understand that's why the devil's really nervous about you? Hmm? Do you realize that's why the enemy is so upset? Because he, he's scared about anybody that is about their father's business. He's afraid of anyone who is working with God. Because the Bible says they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord worked with them. Every attack, every assignment that will come against your life will stop you from allowing God to work with you or allowing you to work with God and try to get you to work for God or end up getting you to work against God. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Somebody said, how do I end up working against God? The moment you get bitter, the moment you get angry, the moment you allow the things of the flesh to dictate to you and you get jealous, competition, and all of these things, then you're not working for God. You're working against God. And unfortunately, some of the people that are working the most against God are people around the church world. Not here at the river. We've run those people off. So don't look at me like, oh, my God, he thinks it's me. We're not talking about you. This is for other people, not river people. So smile. I'm not talking about you. However, if the cat's fur is getting rubbed the wrong way, let the cat turn around. Without the anointing, you will never accomplish God's purpose and plan, regardless of who you are. If you're in business, if you don't have the anointing, you'll be taken out. If you're in the governmental realm, if you don't have the power of God, you'll be taken out. If you're in the ministry, if you don't have the power of God, you're going to be taken out. That's why every day you have to make sure that you are being led and guided by the Holy Spirit and that you're functioning under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and He is carrying you. Can you say amen? amen? Because without the anointing, you'll end up wearing Saul's armor. What does that mean if you wear Saul's armor? That means you try everything in your own strength. Say this off to me. If I wear Saul's armor... That means I'm doing everything in my own strength. How many have tried in your own strength in days gone by? How many know that didn't really work well, did it? But how many know when you put aside your own strength and the armor of the flesh and you walk with that which is your relationship with God, which is what David had. David had a relationship with God. That's why he could pick up five smooth stones and take out the giant, because he already knew. He'd already seen the hand of God. He already took out the lion. He already took out the bear. 
took him with his bare hands. So who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the army of God? I'm going to take him out. Today, I'm going to feed your body to the birds of the air. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. No enemy will stand against you all the days of your life. And you'll walk in victory. And you'll walk in the supernatural. And you'll walk in signs and wonders. And you'll walk in the miraculous. Sickness and disease will run far from you. Everywhere you go, all the days of your life, the enemy will not exact himself upon you. He will not kill you. You will not die prematurely. You'll not be taken out before your time. For the hand of God is upon you. Can you say amen? Say this after me. The hand of the Lord is upon me. Say this after me. Say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. That's the anointing right now coming upon people all across this place and you in your homes. The anointing. Without the anointing, you will compete. You will compete. You will compete with others. Even in the business realm. Listen, there are many businesses here at the river. We are not here to compete with one another. We are here to complete one another. There's enough business to go around where every person can get blessed. Are you with me? Somebody said, well, they're taking my business. Give it to them. God will give you something more. What is wrong with you? Who can take from you what God has blessed you with? No one. For years, I've had people try to take the ministry, take everything away. I said, give it. I said, go ahead and have it. You want this? You can have that. Oh, no, no, I don't really want it. Yeah, you do want it. Go ahead and have it. Because you better have an anointing to keep it. Because if anointing didn't give it to you, you won't be able to hang on to it. The anointing is the divine grace of heaven that empowers you to walk in what God has for your life. Without the anointing, you will compete. Without the anointing, you'll be controlled by the flesh. You'll be moved by anger, jealousy. You'll be driven. You'll have no joy. Control, frustration. Now, by saying that, I don't mean to say that you shouldn't demand people do their work in excellence. Are you with me? We, we go out of our way to make sure that people do a good job for the Lord because we're not doing this for man, we're doing it for the Lord. Are you with me? Everything must be done five star. It cannot be haphazard, just kind of just throw it together. And because I'm a Christian, you should accept that. I don't believe that. As Christians, we should excel in our craft, and we should go over and above and beyond. Are you with me? And not try to nickel and dime 
we, we should go over. We should, we should excel in what we do to where people say, listen, I wanna, I'm going to go over the top. You went over the top. I'm going to go over the top. And then you watch God begin to increase you on every side. Are you with me? Today, I, I don't know what is, I, I mean, and I hear this from other people in different parts of the country. I don't know what's wrong with some people. Why they always want everything for nothing. They don't want to put in a good day's work. Are you with me? They're always punching out. They're always, you know, nine to five. Actually, it's not nine to five anymore. It's basically as few hours between nine to five I can do. No, and then they go home. They don't feel any achievement. Oh, yeah, I really put in a good day's work. They don't feel. I mean, we've got a bunch of uh, River University students working at a corporation down the road, and I showed up there, and the management looked at me and said, your people are the best people we have working here. Do you have more people? They said, these guys are here before, and they're here late. They do over and above. They said, where do you get these people from? I said, the same place you get your people from, except my people are under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and they excel. Your people are snorting cocaine. And even if you take religious people, a religious person doesn't mean to say they're going to excel. It's people with the fire of the Holy Ghost. It's people with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. It's people that are moved by the hand of God that are going to excel, that are going to go over the top. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And many times it's not the most qualified person, the people with all the credentials. It's the person with the heart and the person with the anointing that they make up for five people with five levels of credentials, the person with the heart and the anointing make up. And I'm so glad people here at the river, they have a heart and they have the anointing, and that's why the place is excelling because God is using you in a profound way. Can you say amen? That's why if, if other ministries had the way, they were hire everybody we have. Well, I tell you, if I had your people, I could really do some things. I said, no, if you had my people, you'd kill them because you want to control everybody because you're a control freak, and then you'd quench the spirit, and you'd end up having the people you have because the people you have are sitting there. They have a fire, but you quench it. They have an anointing, but you stop it because you're afraid. What happens if they get on fire? What happens if they start doing things for God? They might leave. Why will they leave? If they're going to leave, it's because it's time for them to launch and God wants them to go. Why would you hold on to people? Why would you keep them? Why would you super glue them to the pew? People want to go. They need to go and obey God. That's what this place is all about. That's what this whole ministry is about. That's what River University is about. As long as you're moving under the anointing, I'm happy. Now, if you go from here and you go into the swamp and you go and you have no anointing, I will tell people, I don't know them. They said they came here. I said, no, no, not, they didn't come to the river. No, they've got diplomas from River University. Uh-uh. No, they forged that. 
It's impossible. They could never have come around the River Church and act like that. I'm sorry. I never knew them. Now, let me wrap this up. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 because when I had the open vision in the early hours of March the 17th, 2020, and the fire of God came into my room, and as that fire crossed over me, I knew several things, and I won't go into too much detail other than to say this. He said to me, my people are not ready. He said, I'm sifting my people. I'm separating the wheat from the tares, the profane from what's holy and the false from its real, and I'm purifying my bride because she said they're not ready. I'm going to get them ready. But at that moment, I felt the love of God for his church, and that's what crushed me. I wept uncontrollably. And from that day, on a daily basis, I began to pray and said, Lord, because I always loved the church, but when I felt how much he loved the church, then I realized I needed to love the church more. So I said, Lord, can you help me love your people the way you love them? Now, again, when you say that, people think then you just sit and put up with rubbish. That's not love. You know, God is love, but he's not put up with rubbish. Are you with me? God's not going to just put up with people's junk. Oh, the Lord loves me. He knows that I know that he loves me. Therefore, I can just do whatever I want to. No, you can't. No, you can't. You'll do that for a season, and then you're going to get yourself into trouble, and you're going to have to come to God. Somebody said, how do I get turned around? Repent. Repent. Number one way to get right with God is to repent. But this is important, and this is in relationship to your brothers and sisters and to the family of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels and have not love, I become as a sounding brass or as a tinkling cymbal. So, even though you talk in tongues, but you don't have love, you have nothing. Though you have the gift of prophecy. Well, isn't that wonderful? And you understand all mysteries. People come to you. They call you Solomon, reincarnated. And you have all knowledge. And you have all faith that you can move mountains, but you have not love. You have nothing. 
even though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and give my body to be burned, and yet not love, it profits nothing. Love suffers long and is kind, envieth not. It doesn't vaunt itself up. It's not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not its own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, love never fails. But everything else will fail. Prophecies will fail, tongues will fail, knowledge will cease, um, it all vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect or when that which is mature has come, then that which is in part will be done away with, which that will happen on that day when we stand before him and we get a glorified body in the new heavens and the new earth. So you have to walk in love and you have to forgive. And the Bible says 70 times 7, which that's like very hard. I don't feel like forgiving. The Bible says to turn the other cheek, and then you can smack the hell out of them. You get hit on the one side, hit on the other side, and then that's it now, all hands on deck. But this is not something that is natural. This is something that is supernatural. I remember the very first year in the ministry, 1980, back in the last century, I was traveling with a, with a group, Youth for Christ, and connected with the Billy Graham Association. We were at the training camp getting ready to split into teams. And so they had a scenario where you would be witnessing to sinners, except you weren't witnessing to sinners, you were witnessing to Christians pretending to be a sinner. That's a different story. A sinner is one thing, but a Christian pretending to be a sinner is another story. And so I walked up to the opposing team and I said to the, the, the young girl that was there in charge of that team of sinners, I said, I want to tell you about Jesus. And it shocked me what she did, but she cleared her throat like this, and she spat in my face. And I always thought that I would have smacked somebody. I, I thought, you know, if they ever did that, I'll just, I'll just smack them. Do you know what happened to me? This was ridiculous. So she spat. The spit was on my face, was running down my face, and I smiled, and I started to laugh. I started to laugh, and you know that she cried because she came under conviction. But it actually amazed me more than it amazed her because suddenly I realized what had happened, that I was put in a situation that in the natural I thought I would have slapped her. I didn't care if she, who she was. She spat in my face. I would have just boom like that. It would have been, it would be instinct. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, just instinct. Somebody spits in your face. You just, before you know what's going you. You bam, bam, pop. 
How many know what I'm talking about? There was nothing there. My hand didn't move. It didn't even cross my brain. A joy overwhelmed me, and I started to laugh, and then she began to cry. And she said later, when, when, because they did a whole thing of what actually happened, she said, when you, did, when you did that and you smiled at me, she said, I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus in your face and in your eyes, and it actually it hit me right here. And even though I was pretending, it overwhelmed me. And that gave me comfort to know what I would do. Somebody said, oh, great, I'm going to spit on pastor. Take it easy. And you'll never know what you'll do until you put into the predicament, like getting arrested, handcuffs coming on you, driven to, you, you won't know what you're going to do. But I'm here to testify to you that the anointing will sustain you and the Lord will carry you. And guess what? Even though there are resources with the arm of the flesh, you won't go there. You won't go there. You will go with the Spirit. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Are you excited about that? I'm not asking you to put in some confrontation this week so you can find out. Pastor, you come back to me next time. Pastor, I passed the test. I passed the test. Maybe you will be, but you will see the Spirit of God rise up on the inside of you by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. So it's not like you pre-plan. I'm going to pre-plan. This is what I'll do in these, in these. You don't know what you're going to do. You have no clue what you're going to do till you find yourself in that situation. And guess what? The Holy Ghost will rise up on the inside of you. God will even give you the words to say. The Lord will even tell you how to handle yourself, and you'll come through the other side. And you know what? It might take a couple of years, but you'll end up being vindicated when it's all said and done if you just walk in the love of God and you look for your enemy, and there'll be no more. There'll be like the green bay tree spreading its roots, but suddenly it's gone. Are you with me? But the righteous, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree, and the hand of God shall sustain you, shall sustain your wife and your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and everything you do, you prosper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who needed to hear this this morning? Say, I'm working with God, and God's working with me. And let me tell you, that's where the fun is because you never know what's going to happen. If, you, if you're working for God, then you're trying to find the solution. God already has a solution. Hold it. Let me just have a look here. I've got 10 ways God's going to do this. And God says, throw your book away. You haven't even seen what I have for you. And then when you let him do it, you go, what was wrong with me? Why did I try to do it? Boy, I spent two years trying to do it my own way. I should have just done it his way to begin with. Amen. So let me say this, then we're going to close. Pray and ask the Lord 
Why don't we do that right now? Just say, Lord Jesus, please help me to love your people the way you love them. Now, let me t say this. In all the years of ministry, 25 years of the church, there have been very few that we've had to put out of the church. Unfortunately, in recent times, there have been situations we've had to actually put people out of the church because they are detrimental. They are detrimental to other members, and they will not listen to correction. So we advise them, please go to another church. We still love you, but you cannot be here anymore because we have to protect the congregation. And if you will not listen to the authority that's here, if you rebel against all the pastors, if you rebel against the leadership here, we cannot help you anymore. You have to find another church. So they would say, we're not walking in love. We actually aren't walking in love, hoping that they can go to a place where they actually find what they're looking for because they're not getting it here, number one. Number two, but we have to protect the rest of you all from them taking advantage of you all. Can you say amen? As a pastor, you have to do that. You have to do that. And you know what? That probably breaks my heart more than anything you can imagine. Especially when you've gone out of your way time and time again to help people and help them again, and help them again, and help them again, and actually forgive them, and forgive them again. But then you watch the devastation they do amongst congregation members. We can't allow that. Are you okay with that? Amen. Okay, so we, we just cannot allow that. We are going to protect the congregation. We have to, as God's shepherds at this place. We pray for those people that they see the errors of their ways, that they humble themselves and make right with God and stop trying to justify because they take Scripture and justify everything they're doing. They're no different to a cult leader, and there's nothing that you can do. If you're wrong, you say, I'm wrong, I repent, and then you submit yourself. You don't carry on doing what you're doing. So I know I'm bringing a whole message here on, are you working for God? Are you working with God? Are you working against God? So just because somebody quotes Scripture doesn't mean to say they're working for God. They're working for their own agenda. And we don't have anybody like that right now. So again, like I said, this is for people watching at home. Because that's another thing when the Lord allowed me to see his people, he, he put a thing where I will protect the church. I will protect the, the people, God's people in the congregation. Are you with me? It's very important. Let me do that. So what did I say a little earlier? The only way back to God is to repent. What does that mean? That means you're sorry. Not that you got caught. That means you say, I don't want to live like this anymore, and I'm going to repent from this lifestyle, and I'm going to come to God, and I'm going to surrender, and I'm going to take His way, 
no more my way, his way. And then I can walk in his blessing. So I want everybody to bow your heads across this field, if you would, please. Only ones moving are the workers, please. Just take the next few minutes. While the heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to give an invitation to those that have come here this morning and will say, Pastor, I've never ever given my life to Jesus, you that are watching by way of television. But today I feel the Lord speaking to me. I feel God calling me. Today is my day to surrender. I want to ask you a question. What would happen if today was your last day on the earth? You went home, put your head on your pillow in the middle of the night, you breathed out your last breath. Where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? I want you to know there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And you don't have to go to a devil's hell because 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross, the price was paid, the blood was shed. And just like that old song said, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood there's all the guilty stain. Today, he calls you. Today, he says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He calls you. Will you surrender to him? Will you say, Lord, today I come and I give my heart to you. If you mean busy with God, God means busy with you. If you truly surrender today, you will truly receive what he has for you. You cannot buy this. You cannot earn this. It's free. Maybe you've come under this great pavilion today or you're watching in your homes and you say, I gave my life to the Lord in days gone by, but I've grown cold. I'm not serving God like I should, but today I'm going to come back. I'm going to fall in love with Jesus all over again. I've allowed the things of the world to come into my life and I've allowed hidden things and pride and unforgiveness and bitterness and jealousy and anger and lust and the hidden things to clog my heart. But today, I want to be free. He said, I will take out the stony heart and put in a heart of flesh. He said, a new spirit will I put within you. Will you let him do that tonight? Will you say, Lord Jesus, will you let him do that today? Maybe you gave your life to the Lord in days gone by and a storm came against your life, even though you were on fire for God. Maybe you were even in the ministry. And then this thing hit you like a Mack truck from hell, a sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, the betrayal of a close friend, the loss of a job. Something happened that rocked your world. But you say, today I'm coming back. I'm going to fall in love with Jesus all over again. He loves you so much. He says, come. Come. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. And then lastly, if you're here under this beautiful pavilion today and you say, Pastor, I love the Lord, but I'm not sure of my salvation. The devil's always lying to me, telling me that I'm not saved. But today, I want to know. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm a child of God if this is you. If you fit into any one of these three categories, I want to pray with you and for you. Right where you are, quickly, put your hand up. Say, pray for me. I need Jesus. Raise up high. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you. Put it up high and say, yes, that's me. Today's my day. I'm not leaving this place the same way I came. Anyone else? Slip it up high. Once you've raised, you can put it down. I want everybody to look at me, please. On this side over here, you didn't raise your hand, but want to be included in the prayer. I'm going to pray quickly. Put the hand up and say, include me. Thank you. Anybody else? Slip it up high. Anybody else? I see your hand. This middle section, you didn't raise your hand, but want to be included. Put the hand up right now and say, include me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Yes. Today's your day. Today's your day of freedom and liberty. This far side here, you didn't raise your hand, but want to be included. Put your hand up right now and say, include me quickly. Anybody else? I want every person that raised your hand, if you would stand right now. If you raise your hand, stand. Don't wait for anybody else. Stand, 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 stand. Stand. I'm going to pray with you and for you. I want you to bring your personal belongings that come stand right here. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Come, come. Come right here. Come. Come right now. To follow Jesus. To follow Jesus. I have decided. I have decided. To follow Jesus. To follow Jesus. I have decided. To follow, Jesus. to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me. The cross before me. The world behind me. The cross before me. The world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. You can take the whole world and give me Jesus. You can take the whole world. But give me Jesus. You can take the whole world, but give me Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I want all those that are standing, if you look at me just for a moment, we're going to pray one prayer. One prayer fits all. If you mean business with, with God, God means business with you. 
as I've had the privilege of doing this in 85 countries of the world, and then bumping into people years later that tell me I came in the altar and I prayed and look what the Lord has done. So I want you to close your eyes, raise your right hand to heaven. That's where your help comes from. You in your homes do the exact same thing. Pray this out loud right now. Believe it in your heart. Say it with your mouth. Say, Father, I come to you in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, if I confess with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and I believe in my heart that God has raised you from the dead, I will be saved. So, Father, right now, I confess Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart right now. Take out the stony heart. Put in a heart of flesh. Wash me. Cleanse me. Change me. Fill me. Use me. Let me never be the same again. I turn my back on the world, and I turn my back on sin. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. And thank you that you're coming back again for me. From this day on, I'll never be the same again. I confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. He is my Lord and my Savior. And right now, by faith, in the finished work of the cross and by the shed blood of Jesus, I'm saved. Thank you, Lord, for saving me now. Now, Father, I pray over them that you would seal them now by your blood and by your spirit that on that day not one would be missing. Raise them up to be mighty men and women of God and use them to impact this generation, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. This program has been brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International in Tampa, Florida. For more information on the ministry of Drs. Rodney and Adonica Howard-Brown or for additional resources, visit Revival.com.